Hi, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Tracking Shot Podcast. My name is Chris Spencer, and I'm joined by... Taylor Dodson. Wow, you got it right on the first try. Otherwise known as Chris Spencer. Do, wait, hang on, what? (laughs) Hang on. I'm seeing the Matrix. Um... Uh, this week, well, actually, so we did an introductory podcast, episode zero, as the the kids like to say. Um, Patient zero? I totally... You totally... Is that a hitman level? Patient zero is a hitman level. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Patient cool. zero is just the person that gives everyone the sickness. Oh. So, like, patient zero for the plague was the fleas. So we recorded a, an introductory episode to the podcast, episode zero, if you will, and I totally forgot to kind of describe what you and I are doing, like like what I am doing and that is different from what you are doing yeah. about these movies. Um, so I am sort of coming at it from a production angle, uh, talking about inspiration for the movie, historical accuracy, that kind of stuff, and you have a more... Um, maybe focused I just say a bunch of dumb stuff but you have a more focused look at a particular aspect of the movie that you should talk about now there's the segue, there it is it's all (laughs) ready for you so what I want to do professionally is soundtracks I want to pick the music to go behind a scene very cool not compose because I don't know how to write music I know how to read music but I don't know how to write it I don't know how to play instruments Played the flute in sixth grade. That's about the extent of my instrument So you knowledge. recorded the music for the opening scene of Gangs of New York. I did. Very that cool. shrill sound was me. Hey. It worked. It huh? worked. Yeah. It was really impactful. Um, but so my focus on this podcast is to kind of talk about the music. And um, <laughs> I'll probably pick like a scene that like really stood out to me yeah. from each movie. Um, I know I've done that already for... Like, I already have the two scenes in mind for the first two movies yeah. that we're talking about, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, again, I don't want to rehash everything we talked about on the sort of introductory podcast, but this is going to be sort of an academic dive into these movies. There's less going to be talking about why we liked something and why we didn't like something, so on and so forth. I'm sure there will be some of that, because I have some things to say about It'll be more movie. why it is the way it is. That's, yeah, that's or a really good... why we think it is the yeah, way that it is. that's a great way to describe that, for sure. Um... So, without further ado, let's jump into our first movie, which is... Goni! Goni. Gangs uh, of New York. Martin Scorsese's 2002's Gangs of New York. Yeah. Uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, um, that one guy from Phantom Thread. That one guy from Step Brothers. John C. Riley. Yep. Yes. Um, what is the guy Who from- plays Billy. Yeah, the guy from Phantom Thread. Oh. He's a great actor, and I don't who's know, the, I don't remember his name. Who's the dad? That's Liam Neeson. Oh. Taken's Liam Neeson. Taken 2's Liam Neeson. <laughs> Taken 3's Liam Neeson. Schindler's only... List. <laughs> Schindler's List's Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lil, Lil Leo's on here. He's probably, what, like 25 in this? Uh, 2002? Probably somewhere around there, yeah. In mid-twenties. You're probably right. I'm gonna look up this actor's name. He still looks young enough in it that he passed as, like, a 16-year-old. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. How yeah. did I f- Daniel Day-Lewis is one of, like, the best actors in the 21st century. 
Like okay. every every time he makes a new movie, he's like, "This is my last movie. I can't make any more. This movie has tortured me so much that I can't make another one." And then he comes back and inevitably does another one. Phantom Thread was one of the ones that did that. Um, and after seeing that movie, I can understand why. But we're not here to talk about Phantom Thread. We're here to talk about Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Yeah, that's the theme song. You, see, you did it. You're the music person. You, you did it. Um, so this movie came out in 2002, directed by Martin Scorsese, who also did movies like. Oh, if you don't know. Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver. Um, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Is it The Wolf of Wall Street or The Wolf on Wall Street? Of. Of Wall Street. Okay. He's a wolf good. of Wall Street. Um, and so on and so forth. I'm now opening his Wikipedia page. I like his glasses. He's a, he's a, hmm, he's a, he's a man. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Taxi Driver? Um, I don't believe that I have. Mm, taxi Driver's good. Uh, have you seen in the opening scene to Austin Powers' Gold Member? Because he's in that. Is he really? Yeah. I, it's been, I've seen Gold Member like 30 times. They and just I put it on Netflix. God bless. God bless. Um, where's the filmography section? It, it doesn't matter. I feel like Scorsese. the people listening to this right. should know um, who Scorsese is. And, and I guess we're not going to do a scene-by-scene recounting of the movie because that would take... A very long time, considering this movie is two hours and 45 minutes long. Actually, I'm going to make a point. I'm going to make a criticism of this movie right after saying I'm not going to have a criticism. It's real long. In 1964, Andy Warhol released a film called Empire. Empire is eight and a half hours of slow motion footage of the Empire State Building. That movie doesn't feel as long to me as Gangs of New York does. (laughs) That's like... The next movie we're talking about, The Leopard, yeah. is like the longest movie on earth it's, to me. I don't know, like like people went buck wild with movie lengths, and like I'm not one to hate a long movie. Like I said, I think this sounds really weird, but I think Empire is brilliant. It is literally a stationary shot of the Empire State Building for eight and a half hours. It was recorded for six hours, and then they slowed it from 24 frames per second to 16 frames per second, and it became just eight and a half hours long. It, just because it's well. Sure. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, Let's we see. got a cat attack Sorry. happening. We have a cat on set. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think Scorsese might be a little long in the tooth when it comes to some of his movies. Sometimes it works. Gangs of New York, it mostly works to me. But there's some parts where there's there's some characters in that movie that I'm just like, you could just very well not be here. Yeah, like uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen the movie because it's the first movie of the course. Mm-hmm. Um, but his friend Johnny 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 yeah yes papa <laughs> <laughs> impaled on a pike no papa <laughs> shot by your friend yes <laughs> <Maybe>. papa <laughs> yeah like i feel like that whole thing like i get why he was there so that he would have like a a point where he was like got a revenge but yeah and then the whole like love triangle between him and Jenny. Who is... Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. I stopped liking her after that cancer movie. That cancer movie. Though she's like a mom in a cancer movie, and I didn't like that movie, so I stopped liking her. Sounds like like a third of the box office successes from the mid-2000s. Walk up to any red box, and you'll be able to find a movie right. just like that. Exactly. Um, okay, but... Okay. Sure, <laughs> the, the, movie's, the movie might be a little long, but you know... We'll let, we'll let him have it. He's earned it. Scorsese's earned it. Yeah, he can um, do whatever he wants now. And speaking of Scorsese, Dr. Lawton, who listened to the preliminary podcast, you'll know what we're talking about, um, 
he once described Scorsese to me in my class as the great American demythologizer. Yes. I think. Yeah. And, and, and Scorsese does a really good job of one, not really making care, not really making the protagonist somebody that you're rooting for. Right. Like, I, I don't want to... We're talking about Gangs of New York, and I don't want to reach back too much, but Taxi Driver, is, I love Taxi Driver. It's a great movie. You're following this protagonist throughout the whole movie, but he's constantly presenting himself as a dirtbag. Like, the movie presents him as a dirtbag. Right. And the only reason he has a happy ending is because of an accident. And, and that's kind of what Gangs of New York is, is the beginning of the movie sets up the stakes. Well, not, not even the stakes, but the sort of the reason that you should feel bad for Leonardo DiCaprio's character who right. his his uh, moniker is Amsterdam yes I don't know if they ever say his real name I don't know if they do either I, don't, I, don't, I was doing some research earlier today and I couldn't find any reference to that character's actual name yeah um, but it, he's not he's a troubled individual who has is kind of like quibbling between wanting to avenge his father and understanding that there's more to life than this vengeance. Mm-hmm. And by meeting people along the way and losing people through his quest, I guess that is kind of a reason why Johnny needs to be in there. Uh, right. But Because it, it adds like a... He almost betrays Johnny when he becomes a part of Billy's group. Right. As a fake... He was a fake fan of right. Billy's yeah. group. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, like, was in it still. Like, he was enjo- I feel like he was enjoying his time. Well, and because and at one point he saves Billy's life. Right. By that knife attack, I think, is what, is what I think so. happens. And um, Amsterdam stops it. And kind of one of the central conflicts is, did I do that out of... Devotion to my cause, or did I do that out of devotion to Billy himself? Right. Did, Have I kind of fallen under his spell? Did I save him so that I could kill him, or did I save him because I care for him in some yeah. weird way now? Yeah, and and I think I think three things that I really want to talk about with this movie are... Man, I just forgot them as I said that I had three things. Um, <laughs> the beginning and the end of the movie mm-hmm. are two really interesting scenes yeah um that anyways number two on the things that i want to talk about are why this movie would be shown in a mafia in the movies class there is no there is no mafia in this film per se in the stereotypical sense of the word mafia correct there's not like the real mafia the italian mafia is not present in this movie whatsoever um but those are three things. The beginning, the end, and yeah. And so let's talk about the beginning of the movie. Yeah, because um, that's my, that's what I want to talk about right. too, is the beginning of the movie. So if you want to go ahead and talk music, you can go ahead, or we can lay out what happens in the beginning of the movie. Um, we can just uh, both. Talk at the same time? Yeah. Just we're all, One, okay, two, cool, three, yeah, go. you can do this, yeah. Do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, like if I say something and you're like, hold up, I'll be like, okay. Right. Or if you say something. Go for it. Okay. So, the beginning of the movie starts with this real, like, ominous, just kind of a background sound. I wouldn't call it music. It's more of like a... But, like, deeper. 
I don't know if the mic caught that or not, but yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and as the the dad is talking to young Amsterdam, uh, a new rapper name, <laughs> young Amsterdam, young Amsterdam. It might exist, probably. Um, you kind of pick up on it. Gets a little bit louder, and then they begin walking through the. What would you call? It's like an underground like fort. Yeah, it's like their fort area yeah. where that side of the. the it's people, a trap house. It's a trap house. It's a trap house. It's a trap house of eighteen forty something. Yes, eighteen forty six. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> uh, so as soon as they exit their little, his the dad's room basic, basically excuse me. Um, you start hearing drums and then this really shrill flute sound yeah um and as they go from section to section in the trap house um (laughs) you meet different groups of people like uh you you get introduced to a different kind of drumming at one point on top of the drumming that was already happening yeah and it's more of like a tribal drumming rather than a like a typical like war drumming sound um and you get to actually see that happening um and it's uh, it's just like a kind of like their hype music for the battle that they're about to go into. We're really modernizing this this <laughs> situation from the 1800s. Well, it's yeah. But um, yeah, from 2002. Um, but and then they open the door to go outside, and as soon as the door opens, the music stops completely. Yeah, and it really adds suspense. Yeah, in a way that. I hadn't seen before that I recall anyways um, so I thought that was really neat yeah and as, as you were talking about it I, I realized something interesting is that that scene plays with like the diegesis of the sound mm-hmm. like it starts pretty clearly extra diegetic because also Leonardo DiCaprio has a line of narration in there as well that is right. him 16 years later talking about that day right it's just one sentence i believe um i can't remember i didn't understand i think it was i think it was him talking about his dad saying the blood stays on the blade after he cuts himself shaving yeah and he says i didn't understand what he meant but someday i'll someday i would understand or something like that something along yeah. those lines um and and yeah so this this music starts playing that you could conceivably believe to be happening in that fort because there's a ton of people in that fort right like obviously you're not it's not going to sound as crisp and clear as it does if it were from the character's perspective Mm -hmm. but you could see it happening but then you don't actually see the performance of it at all until you see those people on uh they look like djembe's almost the Mm -hmm. the, the djembe drums yeah uh towards the end of that sequence yeah, they're almost out of it. They're like coming up the stairs, almost yeah. out of the their fort, and you see those people. And um, I think, isn't there a woman actually playing the flute though? That's walking with them, or am I making that up? I know there's a woman walking with them. I feel like she was playing the flute. I, the only woman that I remember walking with them is the one who is sharpening her like claw talon things. Okay. I don't remember there being a actual flautist. Actual flautist. Yes. In the room. Um, but then another thing on top of that is when when 
young Amsterdam's friend, I, I think it's supposed to be Johnny. It is Johnny. Yeah, it comes up and he's like, where's the battle? Or whatever. I gave him a British accent, but they're Irish, so I don't know why. <laughs> I but, um, and they're, they're yelling at each other. So you could either conceive that as they're yelling over the music, which is what it sounds like, or you could also believe that the diegesis is just the sounds of the sharpening of the blades and all that kind of stuff. All of the pe- there's there's a ton of a people. A bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, like it's their John entire, C. Like... like Step Brothers, John <laughs> yeah. C. Riley. When he showed up, I was like, mm, what kind of movie yeah. is this? Because I didn't think this was a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. We need to talk about Kevin, starring John C. Riley. Not a comedy, although very funny. I don't know that. It's fine. Yeah. Don't um, worry <laughs> uh, yeah, so it could just be the general amount of noise and, like, rustling and hubbub from people about to go into battle or it could be the actual music happening but with the interruption of those djembe drums you would assume that that music was extra extra no no non-diegetic it would be diegetic diegetic yes diegetic is happening in the frame that's the djembe drums Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm talking about you're saying the the, the diegesis of the, the djembe drums, and then not seeing that would presume would make. I understand. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah, and then you, and you mentioned the part where, at the end, they they come up on, club dude, with mm-hmm. the notches in his club, and he kicks the door open, and that's when the music stops. Right, and he's the guy that ends up, running for, boss. Yeah, T- Tawny, I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so they're outside now, and they they meet Billy's side of... The natives. The natives, it's yeah. It's the dead rabbits versus the natives. Right. And the dead, the dead rabbits are from Ireland, and then the yes. natives are supposedly from... I think, I think specifically what, de- the, what ties the dead rabbits together is Catholicism, mm-hmm. because they call Priest Valen, Amsterdam's father, they call him Priest Valen. Right. Although I don't think he's ordained priest i think isn't he wearing a i think he's wearing a cross too yeah yeah in some way shape or form yeah yeah and well his is his his big club thing a cross like a crucifix maybe yeah but he is decked out in iconography and catholic iconography yeah um and then when they start fighting some more music comes back in and it's like poppy yeah it's 2002 yeah, it's it sounds like like an industrial hip hop beat almost. Yeah, like but like, still battle. Right. A little bit. Yeah, it's like. I would have expected to hear that in something like Fight Club. Mm-hmm. But then it's being played in this period drama, a achronistically, uh, in a really interesting way. Right. Because, that kind of leads into the discussion of the end of the film. The very last scene... Well, unless, I, unless you had more to say about the music, I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't. But perfect. We did it. <laughs> I set it up perfectly, and then I... Beginning of movie, just kicked done. It. Yep. <laughs> In, end of the movie, the last scene of the movie, um, Amsterdam has killed Billy and has brought his body with his new GF Jenny um, to the... Uh, Cemetery in which his father is buried, in which Amsterdam's father is buried. Okay. And Amsterdam digs a grave for Billy, I guess out of some twisted devotion to him now, mm-hmm. because he's spent so much time with him. Uh, and, and he has buried Billy next to his father. I think that 
Billy became a father figure for Amsterdam. I agree. Even though he didn't want him to. Right. I think making himself a part of Billy's gang, the natives, and then being so tight with Billy, and especially after that that conversation that they have when Billy's, like, draped in the American flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, That morning. um, That was, like, a really deep conversation. And that's almost, like, the turning point for Amsterdam where he was like, oh, I had a goal here. Yeah. He realized he got too comfortable. Yeah. And forgot what his purpose in that gang was. Yeah. And that... Another point in your... In support of that is Amsterdam spent 16 years as basically a ward of the state. Mm -hmm. He was in an orphanage and had no friends, had no connections coming out of the orphanage. He returned to the Five Points um, neighborhood as a loner and only then did he come across Johnny and then through Johnny he met Jenny. Mm -hmm. Johnny or Jenny? That's... hmm. Um, (laughs) But the after... What happens after that is what's really interesting is, is the whole plan is for Amsterdam and Jenny to go to San Francisco which in 1863 would take forever to get from New York to San Francisco. Yeah, that would take a really long time. Yeah, but after he buries Billy, you see the New York City skyline go from what it looked like in 1863, or what the movie presented it to look like in 1863, to up to like the construction of the World Trade Center. Right, because they're on that hill, and you're, like, looking across right. the bridge. Yes. Right. And, and you it, see it, like, become overgrowth, and the cemetery is, like, not even there anymore. Right. And, and and that, I think, is actually a really interesting way of foregrounding what the movie is really about. And and I, I'm not here to proclaim that the movie is just about this or just about that. because But what Scorsese does really, really well is take is tell very personal stories that still have a wide reach. They, they, they're, the stories and the characters are all kind of around things that are happening that are impacting the country up to the whole world. Right. I mean, The Wolf of Wall Street is maybe the most obvious of that because it's based on a true story. Gangs in New York might be, quote, based on a true story, but it is very ahistorical. Well, right, because that whole battle scene at the end never happened. Right, when they're shooting cannonballs from the port into the city and all that kind of stuff. Never did that ever happen. But there were parts of it that were true. Yeah. Like, he took parts of history. It's been very loosely based on a true story. Well, and I guess you could even say Taxi Driver is kind of based on a true story. Um because uh, it's kind of based around, I think, a little bit about Ronald Reagan and, like, the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan and that, and that kind of stuff. Is um, Man, I'm going to just... I just think I just stepped right into my own mouth because... Let me... Taxi Driver, 1976, Ronald... Ronald Reagan. Was... Yeah, nope. That is not about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but I mean, thinking about Taxi Driver and The Wolf on Wall Street as these stories 
that are about specific characters, but then the ra- the ramifications of those characters' actions are very wide. Mm-hmm. So The Wolf of Wall Street, also starring Leonardo DiCaprio, basically one guy kind of destroyed any meaning of money to people on the stock market, like like yeah. big-time stock market investors. Um, and that that movie coming out when it did in a post- uh, great recession era of post 2008 horrible recession um, really shows the grossness of wealth of people that we will never see but it shows it just through the perspective of that character and all of his associates and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so gangs in, gangs in New York shows how New York City developed into what it ended up being right and and the five points being that being that major thoroughfare for the city and that how the control over that was so 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 important for these gangs of new york um all of the things happening in the movie kind of pale in comparison to what that whole thing came to be eventually right yeah which is a good segue into why this movie shown exactly in Mafia. You and I had the same. We were High there. Five. Um, yeah. So this obviously, like, as we said before, this movie doesn't have the actual mafia in it. Sicilian mafiosi. Yeah, yeah. But what it does have is the foundations of organized crime in yes. New York mm-hmm. or in the United States in general, frankly. Uh. The environment in which that, in which those gangs became, that it showed the gangs being ragamuffin people fighting in the middle of the street mm-hmm. into like, okay, this guy is buying elections, he is he is courting politicians, and and everything everything has become capitalized, cap, capitalized, cap. It's become a part of capitalism. It's, it's become <laughs> yeah. a, a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. And it has gone from this anarchic sort of every man for himself style thing to now there are people relying on us and we are we have become this necessary part of this culture and this society. Right, and it shows like that there is like a, a true leader in organized crime too. Right. Like Billy was the mob boss yeah. of the natives. Don Billy, basically. <laughs> Don yeah. um, Bihote. <laughs> what did you just call me? <laughs> Don Don Bihote, going to kill windmills and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I think, and maybe I'm putting thoughts into Ben's brain here, but I think uh, a point of him showing this movie first was you have to have a understanding of organized crime before you can understand mafia. Right. And and it's much easier to look at that causation of organized crime becoming so ingrained in the culture through seeing our own culture, through mm-hmm. seeing how it develops in American, Western, right. New York style, New York style pizza, New York uh, <laughs> culture. And again, this kind of comes back to 
the great demythologizer of that is Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And much has been said about the ahistorical nature of this movie. Like there are several articles about how this movie just kind of takes a smorgasbord of stereotypes and, and culture issues and, and kind of turns them all up to 11. And I would agree with that. There's Conditions were very, very bad for lots of people in the 1860s. I mean... Well, yes. Yes. I mean, like, I, I don't think that needs to be said. Everyone was just dirty and stinky all the time. Well, right. And and also, there's... It's, it's kind of in the height of the Civil War era. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, that, that was a big part of that movie, too, was... Um, people were like, well, New York's the North. Well, New York was not a part of... They did not fight with the North in the Civil War. Right. Civil War. They fought with the South. Yeah. And and I mean... Wait, is that true? New York? They yeah. were They were Confederate. Really? Mm-hmm. New York was very strongly against the... Uh, what's the word for not Confederate? Union? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Are we qualified to do this podcast? I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably not. Um, well, yeah. Even so, that, that speaks a little bit more to this is... Again, that's another myth that was busted for me of like New York as being a haven of of the Union and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it breaks down the idea the mo- the movie breaks down the idea that everything it, it deromanticizes that period of history. Yeah, because a lot of people. I mean, I know plenty of people who are big civil war historians and and there's this sort of desire to have memorabilia and and have things from that era and there's this kind of is part of the argument of people saying why do we still have statues of confederate soldiers and everything right. like that and this movie is trying to say yo we got blood on our hands yeah. we have like we have hurt so 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 many people and what do we have to show for it we have this fancy skyline now we have this new york city skyline mm-hmm. and and again that the movie really kind of doesn't foreground that the movie is it's baked into the movie uh in a way that is subtle and not ham-fisted mm-hmm. i guess you could say by making it a part of these stories there's plenty of criticism that you could say about making that a point of a movie starring a white man as a protagonist and, like, most of the characters being white and it being directed by a white guy. But, I mean, that's a, that's another argument. But, no, I, th- I think... I guess trying to, trying to, like, tidily wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to this movie. It's two hours and 46 minutes long. Right, uh, and there's a lot of things in it that we didn't talk about. Right. But that's but, expected. There's, uh, oh, yikes, yeah, don't let your computer restart in 56 seconds, thanks. <laughs> that would have been very sad. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of things in this movie that play into larger purposes, but right. I think you can boil, at least in this class, you can boil down this movie to being about the foundation of organized crime. Yes, and, and that's that's the purpose of why it was shown for this class. Right. And I think um, the music being that achronistic fight music mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, and there might be some achronistic movie or music later in the movie that I just can't remember, 
um, yeah, the, plays it, but it plays into the idea that what's happening here is important in the rest of New York's history, right, and American history for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but, then the ending in the movie also emphasizes that. Yeah, the rest of the music in the film, um, I didn't really feel a need to talk about it mm-hmm. because it's most it's it's the kind of music that you would hear in a movie placed in the 1800s. Yeah. It's, Especially a movie made in 2002 taking place in the 1860s. Yeah, it's a it's very much them walking through the five points, walking through the center of town, hearing people play on I don't know why I've been wearing headphones this whole time. You have been wearing headphones this whole time? I've been monitoring anything. It's okay. My um, ears are warm. Well, good good <laughs> for you. Um but it's it's very much just people walking through town and hearing people play on street corners and like a, a typical like romantic sound over like the scenes between is it Ginny or Ginny and Jenny. and is it Ginny? Ginny. 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 And and <laughs> Amsterdam. So the rest of the music is very typical. Yeah. But that that opening scene, those the opening scene and then the opening battle are two memorable music moments yeah. from this movie. Well, I think that about wraps up everything that I had to say. Yeah, let's just go, let's go a little bit longer than we expected. Film. Yeah, although we did have about five minutes of us just dig around. Shooting the shit, as Ooh, they say. As they say. There's probably going to be a censored beep in there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that was the inaugural episode of the Tracking Shot podcast. I'm going to have to think of a word for a second. For the next one that's gonna be really catchy and like exciting um the second one the second we're back here again talking about <laughs> dang on movies here dang on tracking the shop podcast tell you what I tell you what. Uh, and this week we're talking about king of the hill uh, <laughs> God, i wish not. i would love it <laughs> um anyways uh my name is chris spencer and i am joined by Taylor Dodson. Very good. She got her name right again. <laughs> Two points for me. Two points for me. That's more than points than I have. Um, <laughs> and we are signing off here, and we will see you again next time. Well, we won't see you, actually. You'll hear us again next time. We'll be in your ear holes. You're welcome. Bye. We're rolling right along. Pixie is down there. Roll it, roll it, roll it. Pixie's just staring. She's probably going to come up and like bump her head into the microphone. She'll probably just walk on my keyboard at some point. It's going to be pretty good. Just break everything, Pixie. Break everything, Pixie. Do you like my corgi butt pillow? You've asked me several times that I've been here that if I like your corgi butt pillow. And yes, I do like the corgi butt pillow. I don't like you putting your hands (laughs) in his crack. Literally, yeah. Well, when I sleep, I put my elbow in his crack. That's because it's comfy. Cause it's like that. Also, look at his feet. <laughs> I'm upset. You shouldn't be. I'm upset. Let me open my documents here. Um. Cool. Okay. Are we ready to talk about this movie? Yeah. You sure? Yep. Positive. Okay. I'm glad you are, cause I'm not. Let me. Uh up the track list for there. Hmm.
This is some good dead air that we've got going on. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Do you want to stop recording and then No, it's fine. Again? Let's just roll. Let's just roll with it. People are just going to have to listen to silence. I mean, they're not going I'm going to cut that out. Oh. Maybe I won't now. Maybe this will be like the secret track at the end of the podcast. Like you have to listen to all of the silence. <laughs> and then you get to the funny ha-has okay. of the of the post the good ha-has post pre-podcast. Ow, I still have a bruise. Did I tell you that I was leaving work that when we had all that uh ice like we do now? 2 weeks ago? Yeah. 2 weeks ago, okay. And I didn't know that it had freezing rained. Mm. And I went out to start my car, and I about, I did like, did one of those, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. And then I made it to my car to start it, and then I was going back. But the door had locked behind me, so I went around to the staff door, which was sidewalk, and the sidewalk was slipperier, mm. slipperier than the pavement. I don't know why I chose to do this today, but I, um, wore the least tractioned shoes that I own. Like, they're just flat on the bottom. They're just straight flat. Um, straight flat. Straight flat, just like me. Um, <laughs> and I was walking to class, and everything was fine. And I was walking back to my car from class, and it had gotten cold enough that the, like, water on the ground had frozen. And so I'm just, like, I'm literally just, like, skating along on the... Pod, or a pod, on the podcast? On we the have podcast. Any, I'm, yeah. There was a song in this movie that's additional music. It's not like a part of the official track list, so it was probably just one of those where like they were walking in the main city and mm-hmm. they walked by and somebody was playing it. Like the, oh, yes, the main city, New York. <laughs> 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 its name is Poontang Little Poontang Small by Jimmy Struthers. I'm sorry. Poontang Little Poontang Small. Poontang Little <laughs> Poontang Small. Uh, yeah. I okay, just we got to start the podcast now because we can't say anything more. <laughs> we've bit, we, we, we've stumbled into the real content. <laughs> okay, let's get this started. I'm going to do a clap. So we have a sync point. Sync point. There's nothing to sync it with. We have a start point. We have to sync it with ourselves. Start. Yep. Look at that. Wow. Look at that. Okay. 